we're, we're burying nuggets in the in the virtual litter box of this show for us to scoop out later on when it gets edited. God, that was horrible. I'm really sorry. Yeah, and there's a good chance that that's going to remain in the podcast. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Tony. And Roland is uh, hopefully going to make it here in a few minutes. He is AFK at the moment. So we're back. It was a hot July. Everyone's just holding on and making it through, I suppose. Pandemonium. Pandemonium, pandemic. Is it a coincidence? Mysteries. Probably not. Lots of mysteries. The roots, the roots of the words, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing less of everything these days, but... But I am uh, starting to think more about my lack of experience playing, what do you call it there? The adventure mode. Um, if you look at the at the header on the program itself, it is adventurer mode, but that's so hard to say. say. Adventurer mode? Wow. Yeah. Okay. No one calls it that, though. Adventurer mode. It's like uh, the that, that show that had the rural juror for a while. Um, what was that? Uh, 30 Rock, when they talk about their... TV show Rural Juror. So I think it's the same sort of thing. Adventurer mode. Adventurer mode, yeah. All right. And what else is going on? There was some problems with DFFD. They did a migration of Dwarf Fortress File Depot. And apparently, as happens whenever you're changing providers and you have migrations, things went haywire and there were lots of outages and lots of fun stuff. So. DNS jankiness, but it looks like it's looks like we're back in business here. Um, yeah, I haven't heard I haven't heard a whole lot about it uh, since probably the beginning of July. So there was another little hiccup, but I, I think we've all got it sorted out, um, and I'm, I think they've got a good tech team behind them. But also pretty exciting that the DF talks have come back, so that's kind of neat to hear that. Yes, yes, I was even whenever they were doing it regularly and i should fly air quotes when i say regularly regularly that's uh, like uh that's like adventurer mode regularly twice Anyhow. a year seems pretty regular so <laughs> yeah that was it was it, it was regularly order. twice a year but yeah. uh but now we've had two in two months so we'll see if they have another one here in a in a couple weeks i hope so because you know as much as we enjoy talking about it we do it Almost totally from the from the player's point of view, the player side. It is so great to be able to get into Toadie's head, like happens on a on a DF talk. Yeah, those are cool. I, you know, I also think I, I really love the transparency. You know, like the, he's kind of in it to win it and share all this stuff. It's pretty cool. I think he also kind of plays some of the stuff close to his vest, which I think is cool too, because then you don't get into the over-promise, under-deliver category of software development where people expect X and they get Y and then they're sad. So I kind of like so much of what he talks about is, well, you know, we have these grand plans of pretty soon the dwarves will become sentient and take the computer over and play the game itself, you know, or whatever he does. But he, I feel like he keeps all that kind of in check and, you know, always talks about things really in the future and then we just randomly end up with cool stuff in the next release and you're like oh i didn't think that was coming that's awesome yeah well, this last episode was talking a whole lot about myth and magic and the uh 
and going over the procedurally generated universe creation, you know, their myth creation. That was just awesome. Oh, yeah. I got I to gotta, I gotta do some catch up then. Sounds pretty yeah. neat. Myth mm-hmm. and magic. So, yeah, that's what they was the big topic for this last one. And it's really cool. There's like a mm-hmm. procedurally generated creation myth generator. And it makes it kind of reminds me of I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Silmarillion from Tolkien's universe and uh, and the creation chapter that starts off the Silmarillion. But it kind of reminds me of that. But it talks about the origin story of the dwarves, the humans and the uh, the dwarven afterlife and how they came to be placed in the world. And he spun up like three of these and you can put little sliders on them for, you know, I like how violent you want the creation myth to be. <laughs> Whoa, that's a little uh, dark, but I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest. <laughs> it so. goes from, you know, standard door fortress, uh, ultra violence to Care Bears kind of stuff. So, yeah, very, very yeah. interesting. And everyone get out there and listen to Dwarf Fortress Talk episode 24 because it's great as as usual. But sounded like the, uh, the creation myth generator is about 75% done, which we all know that the last quarter of any programming project takes about three quarters of the time. So it's probably about two and a half, three years away, I think. Uh, yeah close (laughs) and that's Ah. after the steam release so yeah exactly it's steam release is january yeah who knows yeah who knows january i'd be pleased yeah yeah congratulations you survived 2020 gift i had a point that i was going to make and i can't remember what it was so i had um i had a fort going really well and then um I flooded it, which I don't do very often. Um, I was trying to be clever and irrigate a room. Like I had carved out a, like this nice round chamber and I was going to turn that into a growing thing because I built this fortress up in the tundra. And so like you can't grow anything up there. I didn't. And then there wasn't much. It was basically just ice, 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 ice rock. Like there was no real dirt layer or not, not much of it that wasn't wet and so yeah i was like oh i'll do this so i punched down underneath the cavern layers and thought i'd have this clever thing and yeah i flooded the thing so that was sorry dwarves of the frozen tundra (laughs) (laughs) their fortress flooded and then they fled to the surface and and that that was meet meet hypothermia so is often the case um with our intrepid dwarves what are you gonna do yep um yeah so how have your how have your runs been going? Have you, have well, you had I remember, a chance to do anything exciting? Any any fun plays? I remember now what my point was going to be. Um, he confirmed in the Dwarf Fortress Talk twenty four episode that this coming up is going to be the and this is uh, this is capitalized the big wait. So oh, wait, which one? When the What's the big wait? The big wait is the Myth and Magic release. Yeah, yeah I think. He's said that before, hasn't he? He's, yeah. he's oh, yeah. teased us with that. Once Steam happens, I'm out for a while. Enjoy yeah. it. Um, that's, that's probably okay, I think, with Steam. I'm, I'll be really interested to see how those Steam releases go because I know, you know, do you, I mean, I wonder if he'll have to get more, like, drop little updates or something. Or yeah. I think the problem with the little updates, from when we had him on, it seemed to be... Anytime he changes one thing, it's like the butterfly effect. And so, you you know, if he adds 
one tiny thing, it has such systemic impacts that then it breaks lots of other stuff and he has to go and do all sorts of sorting. So maybe that won't work. Maybe, maybe it will, will truly remain a long wait, but um, yeah. So I'll be so curious to see how it looks on steam. And, and also I wonder if, um, if players are able to do easier mods, I think once it hits steam, that'll be super interesting to see because people go super creative on, on mods and stuff. Like look at what happened to Rimworld. That's so awesome. Like the, the mod, the player ecosystem there is truly like, it's great. Like you can do anything there. So if, if that sort of framework opens up, that's going to be pretty neat. I think. Well, it's certainly going to open the game up to uh, some people who hadn't seen it before and will, will you know, they'll see the, the opportunity for, for uh, modification creativity. So that'd be cool. Yeah. So I think it'll yeah. open up. We'll, we'll get some, some new fresh tile sets and such from people who were, uh, who, 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 you know, weren't part of the community before. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm hoping that it will become a little bit more inclusive because I've showed this, I've showed the game to, we, we've talked about this before, but I recently showed it to somebody who I thought would be completely down with it. Um, like in every way, shape and form, like consumes the stories, loves hearing about it. Then I, you know, I did a little screen share and, and he was like, what am I looking at here? Looks like I'm looking at the matrix, you know? And I was like, <laughs> no, this is actually, you know, and I think I loaded it up with, I don't know, a gem set or something that's not, you know, it's sort of ASCII hybrid almost. But then I put the, what is it, the Vetlinger setup, and he's like, okay, it's still, but it was, it was interesting because it's still, I think he was still just kind of like, it's weird, why are they flashing? What's a down arrow mean? You know, like there's all the things you kind of stop thinking about. I think Phoebus is a nice tile set to show people uh, Dwarf Fortress for the first time on because Vetlinger's, while, while beautiful, it is very detailed. And uh, I, I, I think that the cartooniness of Phoebus uh, is nice. I do wish Phoebus was a 32 by 32. I think it's a 16 by 16. Yeah. And as such, you uh, when you zoom in, things get fairly blurry. Um, I, I think I'm not sure how it works in the programming code, but I was playing with a, an AI model that will take a lower um, resolution file and upscale it without without massive quality diminishment, like it'll take a thumbnail of a photo and blow it up into the regular photo. And, you know, if you look, if you pixel peep, it's kind of weird. I wonder if you could do that with those tile set GIFs. And I don't know what sort of backend programming I need. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I think maybe we could scale it up. That could be fun. Um, I'll yeah. see what I can do. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, because I have to say, if you try to do Vetlinger in anything less than a 4k monitor it does look very dense it's it's amazing and I, what i love about it is like the color and the quality of the stone that he uses i think that's really really cool and if and of course shout out to meth for the spider-man you know the the brown recluse <laughs> man that looks like spider-man anyway um love it <laughs> that made it in there but yeah i think the unified graphics under steam are gonna bring that whole new level to it where it looks more uh like a game that people could jump into um and then the, and then then i guess also the interface let's talk about that maybe um i personally feel like i've memorized how things work now and so if it changes a lot i'm going to be trying to relearn but i guess that's okay but i do think it's very very confusing to new players 
to trying to figure out, especially the military and developing outfits for people. And I'm sure that there's something in the interface that I haven't done that means that they use their crossbows as bludgeons instead of as weapons. Uh, You know, so I I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, I would love some deobfuscation in that because that's that's a bit. uh, And then the whole thing of like the the assumption that you've got a number pad accessible, I think, is probably an assumption that's less sound now. So if there could be less of the asterisk slash minus plus business, I think that would be pretty neat. I've gotten used to that actually. So it's that one doesn't really bother me because I've uh I've also I think it's probably got to do with the fact that my my laptop doesn't have a doesn't have a numpad and in programming whenever I want to use plus I have to use the shift key so it's it's almost become second nature to me now but you know that had to be built from muscle memory over you know, a, a fairly decent amount of time yeah, using exactly. the plus key as a with a, with a shift key. So, I think if your goal is to rake in new players, it's going to have to be a little easier. So, I, oh, I think yeah. that's I think that's on the car, on the horizon. But there's just so much density. Oh, I, I'm quite sure it is based on Zach's comments in the uh, in the, one of the beginning of the month uh, commentaries that that he makes. Based on that, they are definitely working on the uh, user interface. And yeah, the menu it's tricky. yeah and, and i would say things like the building the workshops and 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 doing all of that stuff i mean that's that doesn't that's not too complicated because like b build you know like or d design you know d designate like those those things seem pretty straightforward it's when you start getting into some of the, the things like you know all the steps required to build pump stacks and the steps to you know it's like sometimes it it ends up going just a little too down the rabbit hole so yeah it does but i think that you've got to get the uh the basics you know dead simple before you worry about uh making the pump stack (laughs) more simplified (laughs) Uh, how to actually irrigate ground before we drown i've still never made a pump stack i've been in this for how many years and i've never i've never felt the need to build a pump stack and it would probably be great no i haven't done it either i would love to do that build those minecart shotguns and all that i haven't done it yet i yeah I, i i'm to the point where i can definitely sustain the fortress indefinitely I think that I've solved, you know, barring the unforeseen circumstances like punching into the circus or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that stress, stress and stuff, definitely, he's sorted that out in this release because I don't have tantrum spirals like I used to in the old one. So that's a neat, that's a neat fix. So you brought up the fact that, uh, that you have some of your people bashing people over the head with crossbows. Uh, <laughs> that... Uh, that is a nice segue into something that I wanted to talk about here. We had a uh, uh, we have a, a listener named Byron that that sent us a very nice email that talked about um, talked about a good way to set up your training for your for your uh, for your Marks Dwarves. And I would like to uh, perform a dramatic reading of this email. It's a few paragraphs long, so I'm excited. So sit back and listen in. To train Mark's Dwarves, you need two 11x11 rooms. Designate one of them as a stockpile for bolts, no bins. 
In the other, you need three 3x10 hallways with an archery target at the end. Set the targets as ranges shooting in the appropriate direction, then assign your Marksdwarf squad to train at the ranges. Do not set up another training area for the squad. I think the further the distance to the target, the better they learn. I also use POWs as live target practice. This works using fortifications, but sometimes gives them bad thoughts, but it's a great skills training. I've found that dwarves will use whatever combat skill they are best in, so if you train them in close quarters sparring, then they train as hammer dwarves, and will use the crossbow as a poor hammer. I train them at the targets until they are elite marks dwarves, and then assign them a room to train melee skills, so they're not useless if they get caught in the field. I use bone bolts for training, gives me something to do with all the bones. I don't want to keep them, but bonus tip, if you do, then channel out behind the target and the bolts that miss will fall in the channel and can be reclaimed. I've attached a picture showing a squad I put together just for this demo. They're a brand new squad and headed straight for the targets. Hope this helps. I think what you do is you have a necromancer, crossbow dwarf, and then you do that and then they kill things and then raise them and kill them again and then raise them again and then kill them again and you could kind of infinitely train your your necromancer mark stores like that i mean lots of unintended consequences but <laughs> that's that's funny i want to share this with the listeners too i didn't i didn't put this in the 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 dramatic reading of the of the mark dwarf uh tutorial uh, so i am gonna go over this it says uh and on an unrelated note i just had the fort taken down by a panther. you see it was a visitor in the temple when it turned and it got beaten to death right away but another visitor, who happened to know the secrets of life and death, thought it would be cool to bring it back. Then I had an intelligent undead panther with super strength and magic powers. And that was the end of that chapter of Dwarven History. <laughs> That'll do that. Yeah, that's Thanks the, so much for the email, Byron. So. Man, that, that's the double-edged double sword there with the uh, having, having the necromancers around, because we had a, we had a, I had a fort gone, and Everything was awesome. We managed to take down the Forgotten Beast and then raises it again. And it comes back, you know, 10,000 times more powerful and equally more aggressive. <laughs> like, come on. What are you doing, dude? Tony admitted in DF Talk 24 that, uh, that the necromancers were broken, but I don't rec really recall the details, but they weren't broken in quite the way that I expected him to think that they were broken. It was something else than, than what we have seen. But uh, I but. thought I remembered seeing him say something like, yeah, I hadn't really meant them to turn up for a cup of tea in the tavern or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, so that was interesting. But I do love that idea of them bringing books back from raids and then having all these things to read and just being like, golly, that's interesting. Um, you know, like that, that happened in one of my forts. Basically, one guy grabbed the Necromancer book and then learned about it and then sat and started writing tons more books on it. And then every, and then he would like go give the books to people. And then pretty soon the whole fort, basically, if you weren't a necromancer, you almost were certain to become one because he, um, <laughs> because of what he did, this guy that makes simplifies bedrooms, food, drink, you know, it definitely makes some things easier because they don't, they're not very needy. They apparently, uh, if, if Krugsmaths, uh, good model for your necromancer they can be quite temperamental though yeah he, he seems to have found a really interesting character in in his in his guy but that guy is such a great storyteller anyway you know yeah where does the game leave off and he pick up i don't know and that's even better <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's just 
it's pretty cool the way that that guy does it, and and that is why uh, and that is why he has a hundred thousand subscribers. A lot of other people feel that way. The Adam Brothers are great because they've been working on the game for over ten years. I would get bored after working on something for just a week. This is a community conversation. All craft storeship is of the highest quality. It menaces with spikes of community. On the conversation is engraved a picture of our guests being praised by the community. The conversation relates to the interview in this podcast episode. We'd like to welcome Jack to the episode. Thank you for being on the show today, Jack. Thanks for having me. So uh, Jack contacted us after he listened to the podcast for a couple months, right? Oh, I listened to the whole thing. I got into a little bit late, but all the way start to finish. It was really good. Whoa, you, you binge listened to it? Man, I'm so well, I got sorry. A lot of, I got a lot of transit time, so it's, uh, it's nice to be able to listen to something about Door Fortress on my way to work. Yeah, this is the most common trope in podcasts, but I swear... I have a lot of trouble listening to those early episodes. <laughs> Not that they've improved that much. But. Well, I mean, I think it's that's with most things. Though. You watch any TV show, the first couple seasons are a little bit poor compared to the rest of it, right? Yep, yep, yep. Try watching the first season of uh, of Star Trek Next Gen. Ooh, it is, it is very, very awkward. <laughs> so how long have you been playing Dwarf Fortress? Uh, how'd you get your start in the game, Jack? I think I've been playing for about four four or so years now. I started playing um, a while back, and I just heard about it from a friend, and I picked it up and tried it. And the classic thing is I, I couldn't figure it out, and I put it away, never touched it again. So common. You know, classic Dwarf Fortress story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. And then uh, and then I went to, uh, I was on YouTube, and I saw a Krug Smash video, and I started checking him out. He looked pretty interesting. I found out that what he's playing was this game that made no sense to me a couple of years back, and I said, hey, I'll give it a try again. And that's where we are yeah, today. Yeah, I, I think Still it's so it. interesting to me. Like, so many people have that. They're, you know, you hear about this game and you're like, this sounds amazing. I can't wait to try it. Th- this is so rich. Or you've read um, and I Boat Murdered, I guess, or, or, or whatever. And you're like, God, that is so amazing. And you get into it and you're like, I, what is happening here? I'm looking into the Matrix. And it just doesn't. It's totally incomprehensible until you just sort of sit down with it and think about it. Yeah, it's, so, it's just so interesting to hear another person with that same experience yeah it definitely takes a, a lot of sitting down and figuring out before you can really start to enjoy the game and make sense of it but once you get there it's definitely worth it it is it is it's it's the classic learning curve you can't play guitar for the first two years that you pick it up but then once you once you get it you have trouble stopping playing anymore so i definitely have trouble stopping playing this game sometimes it is one that will drag you past your bedtime and and make you have only a couple hours sleep for work. I think it's because it doesn't have any pausing spot. There's no point where you can just say, oh, okay, we're good for tonight. We can just pause it and go to bed. There's always something happening. Something more is going to drag you just when you think you get out. Pull you back in again. Yep, it, uh, I agree. Unless you play adventure, yeah. adventure mode, then then, I mean, you know power to you there's plenty of spaces to yeah, stop say, power to you if you can make that one work because that is punishing in a fun way have you played much adventure mode jack 
I've dabbled in it a little bit, uh, just to mess around and see what it's like. I uh, wanted to see how the systems interacted with form mode and adventure mode. Um, I did a little bit of modding to make it so my lizard character could breathe fire. And I messed around with that for a little bit, um, but not much adventure mode aside from that. Cool, cool. So you've done modding. Cool. I know that I roll. Uh, I wouldn't really put myself in the modding category. I just, you know, asked around and looked at the tags a little bit. I don't really know my way around the code, though. So were you just able to put a fire breathing tag on your lizard man? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, actually, it had to affect all of the uh, the lizard person race that I was using. I think it was like monitor lizard people. So all of the monitor lizard people in that world could breathe fire. But I think I might have just been the only one. So I was safe. That sounds so cool. I wish it was that way in real life. I don't know if you want fire breathing monitor lizard people roaming the earth. That sounds a little bit scary to me. But yet so 2020. (laughs) This is the year for it, I'm telling you. That's true. Anything can happen. So what's a crazy fortress story? Like what's uh like if you're trying to draw your friends into this game, what's the one that you go to and you're like, guys? Or that was a non gender specific use of the word guys, by the way, for listeners. Um, but what do you say? Like how do you how do you you know? I think I think the most memorable fort that I've had actually involves uh, Krug Smash in a way because I, when I became a Patreon to him, he commissioned an art piece for me of that fort. And uh, what happened was I actually I have the picture somewhere I could find it and post it uh, later for you guys if you'd like. But yeah, yeah, if you don't mind us posting oh, it sure. on, uh, yeah, on the, no, for sure. on the I website, definitely will. yeah. But uh, what happened was I I had played Dwarf Fortress for a little bit. I was still this was after I learned about Krug Smash, obviously, and I um I learned to play a little bit and I knew my, the ropes a little bit. And I wanted to mess around with um, bookmaking. So I wanted to make a paper industry and just have a fortress that was all just bookmaking. And that was the idea. Um, At this point, I didn't really understand water too well, if anybody really understands water too well. But my well was not secure. And I had a werebeast attack my fort. And that was like one of the first werebeasts I've ever had for myself. I've seen and watched YouTube videos and heard about them and read excuse me, read the wiki on them, but uh, I never had one myself. So it was really exciting and it was, I didn't really know how to deal with it too well though. So I got some bites on some of my dwarves in the fortress that I didn't notice. And my well started to um, fill up too much when the snow defrosted, I guess. And it all culminated into the well exploding and flooding my stockpile. And then the three were beasts all coming out at the same time for the next full moon. And just my entire <laughs> fortress just started crumbling from there. Okay, so what do you remember what version you were playing? Like, it was not this latest release from January, right? Or was it? No, 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 no. No, this was, um, it would have been, I guess, last year or the year before. I'm not sure exactly what version, though. Okay, so I don't understand what the difference is between how I did things and how everyone else does things, because that was my, every fortress I had would get taken down by beasts whenever I first started. And, you know, other people that's say it was kind world, of rare. Jen, I think. What's that? Yeah, I think that's. I think that's an unlucky world gen, is what I think. That no, is. it it happened in multiple world gens. So. You know what? I want to say you're right. Well, I never had an issue with too many of them, though. That was one of my, like I said, one of the first or second ones I've had myself. I haven't had any problems with them since since forty seven oh four or whatever we're on now. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't. I, haven't I don't think I've run into a werebeast, a uh, single werebeast with this release. So. I've had a couple, but they've been, I don't know, more manageable somehow. I don't know. 
They're just, I think it's not instant death. <laughs> I can remember at least one of them coming to one of my forts in this most recent version, and one of them coming and then almost immediately leaving. He had somewhere to be. Yeah, I guess so. He's a man on a mission. Stopping by to say hello. What I ended up learning about werebeasts, and, and I guess this is a, an advantage of getting hit by them so often, is that what you do is as soon as you find it, uh, you, you find it, you know, as soon as it shows up on the outskirts of your uh, of your map, you know, sequester everybody, lock the doors, and just give up whoever happens to be left outside for dead. And it's not long before they just leave, so. <laughs> well, what I don't understand, and maybe I'm a dummy here, but I see, I've seen, I, I, my fortress design, first things I always try to do is build a wall, and then I build a drawbridge, because... I had this time, and I want to say it was with um, a werebeast, where it just bashed the door down, and then we were, we were, you know, it was curtains for the fort. And I see like Krug Smash can have these, you know, fortresses with basically developing sentient life, as far as I can tell, in the game, and <laughs> he's just using like regular doors, and I, he's like, and I'll lock that door, and I'm like, how did you do this? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm puzzled. By that, I call that the werebeast conundrum. I always uh, err on the side of caution when it comes to doors and stuff, and I, I always just like to make sure I have traps and a drawbridge outside and to the cave, so nobody can get in without at least a drawbridge and a trap. Well, I do now. After uh, after <laughs> these guys let me know uh, that my fortress security was lacking whenever I passed on our first group fortress. What were you missing there? Just a straight uh, staircase into the cave, or pretty much, uh, yeah. It wasn't even a staircase; it was just a uh, cut into the into the uh, you know into the wall. And yeah, I think there wasn't was a door, open. was there? Well, yeah, I think it was just open. You're like, it's cool. I mean, I'm assuming positive <laughs> intent here. <laughs> oh, it was open up to the point where uh, just behind the uh, the fort, the uh, the trade depot, there was a single wide door i think there may have been two or three that were lockable so uh but but yeah the mushroom farm and and the dog pen and all that stuff was up there pretty much open to the outside i don't Maybe do you were just staking your claim of the entire cave you don't need a door because that's just connecting to the rest of your fortress i'm sitting here trying to remember what the uh what the layout of it was I don't remember that much because by the time I got it back after those two had gotten done with it, it was a radically different fortress. That's always fun to see. I tried one of those when I was like, you know what? I can see I've got a couple werebeasts in this fort, and you know what? I'm going to go with it, and I'm just going to let, you know, this will maybe this will be a werebeast fort. Um, yeah, that's, that's not so good. That's not a, uh, I don't think that's a winning strategy. I think you could maybe play it out with vampires, as, as we've seen. But uh, the whole werebeast thing was a little, uh, that's not so good. Yeah, yeah. The first time I saw them, I didn't realize what they were. And and they attacked, they fought with some people, and they left. And then the next full moon came around, and it was just a bloodbath. And I also didn't realize the the bit about burying and, and uh, memorializing dead uh, dwarves with slabs. So I had werebeasts and ghosts everywhere. It was a oh, no. nasty bit. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention the uh, the actual art piece that Krugsmash drew was the uh, the were llama, what they were, coming through a hallway 
as the well was overflowing, so there's like water on the floor, and it looked oh, really cool. We've got to see that. Yeah, that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the image for this episode. I think if you if you can get it yeah, up, I'll just have to go through the uh, the messages on Patreon to find it. But for sure, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's been a while since we've had a, a really good uh, picture for our for our episode. <laughs> I'm happy to provide some uh, some this picture then. So, what's your favorite? part of the game what whenever you sit down to do a fortress what part do you look forward to the most i i guess i i really look forward to losing my favorite part of the game is when everything kind of just falls apart <laughs> do you do you self-sabotage or do you just let it happen naturally I, I try my best to 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 play safe and you know i look out for my dwarves I, i'm not a savage that you know leaves them to die but you know accidents happen you forget to link up a lever and you know whoop de doo there's clowns everywhere uh yes i i yeah i had a a plan recently where i thought uh lava would be awesome or magma sorry sorry people magma below ground um i that that wasn't an another that wasn't a very good strategy either they don't care about that um so that was a surprise i'm just i'm working on a volcano for right now and you said lava so that's what i'm thinking about and I was trying to figure out a way I could introduce lava into my trap hallway and try to use, like, I don't know, some sort of lava trap to, to flood out my enemies. But I, I honestly just don't even want to risk it because I know that I'll just end up flooding everything. So I want to get a little bit situated first, and then I'm going to dig it out. So it's a little bit more devastating and horrible when everything goes goes uh, goes horrible. You know, that reminds me, a couple of years ago, or actually it's more than a couple of years ago, but in an old episode of Dwarf Fortress Talk, I know that Tony was talking about the volcanoes and how they don't erupt and how he said that that was absolutely in the in the 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 roadmap is uh is is having the uh, the dwarf fortress sorry the volcanoes erupt because what's the fun of having volcanoes if they never erupt so I'm hoping that, that is going to be coming up soon if this volcano erupts it would be the end for this fort because my staircase down is right next to the uh, magma tube Ah, <laughs> yay! I I hear fun in the cards. Yeah, I think this must have been happening closer to the beginning of a uh, closer to the <laughs> beginning of Honey Soaker or the end of Monster Killer that area. If you're looking for a specific update, but uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, whenever I point people to a to an episode or uh, a series of of Crux Smash to listen to if they're trying to if they want to get into Dwarf Fortress, I always point them to Honey Stoker. That is such an excellent excellent storyline. I think it really just shows the depth that you can get out of the game with the stories. That uh, you know, just the the gameplay, just you know, it writes the stories themselves, and it's, it's just crazy the level of detail you can get over just you know you know role playing out just a little bit, but enough to make a full cohesive story. And he ties some of those some of those things together, some of the kind of like loose ends he'll sort of tie together. Oh, that's probably why they did that. Of course, yeah. he, oh, he cool. does an excellent job. Yes, yeah. master he of the is. craft. Great storyteller. Yeah, great storyteller. Yeah, yeah. super fun. Um, yeah. yeah, and and I'm kind of digging the whole vibe of combining adventure with fort. It's pretty neat um, because I think the thing with adventure that's hard to grasp when you first start, if you just like generate a world and you jump in and you head out, it, it feels a bit daunting, uh, because none of it really makes sense. 
but if you've done a fort, you kind of get a sense of who the players are and what's happening. And maybe you've even done things like, well, as he's done, you've shaped the world a little bit. So then you can go kind of explore and see what happens. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause I always get a little overwhelmed in adventure mode. Sometimes I'm like, okay, well, this guy doesn't know anything. He's telling me to go talk to an elf and he doesn't know where he is. Oh, okay. Everyone says the same thing. Come on guys. Pull it together. I, I really want to perform what his original vision for Dwarf Fortress was, which is create a fortress, let that fortress die in its, you know, its natural death that it has, and then immediately start up a, a, uh, an adventure mode game and explore the ruins of the fortress that just died. It sounds so cool. I think it's kind of the forgotten gameplay loop almost of Dwarf Fortress because that's like almost the intended way to play, but almost nobody plays it that way. That's sure how he uh, originally envisioned it, at least uh, according to his uh, his uh, interviews and such. Yeah, I did that the first time. I basically uh, my first one of my first early Fords died. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go find that. So I did. It took me a while, but I finally got back to my fort after like hundreds of deaths. Uh, and then I got there and it was it was full of the clowns. Uh, um, and I was very surprised by that because that's not why the fort died. So I don't really understand what on earth that, happened or how that, that would happened. be very surprising. Just had a party. Yeah. So suddenly that happened. And then I was immediately like, oh, okay, I'm never doing this again. That's obviously what happens. But then I've come to realize I don't think that's normal. So um, that definitely does not sound normal. Was this the same world in which you uh, you discovered the circus and then uh, quickly closed down the uh, closed down the, the, the fortress? And and I think you stopped using the world after that point. (laughs) <laughs> just burn it down oh it's i think where i let him out onto the surface and i was like yeah. whoopsie doopsie and then that i think is a world ending thing isn't it if they get out onto the surface i had a, a near miss with that uh, a little while a little while back where i uh, i didn't didn't secure the the tunnel where i was mining some candy and uh some clowns got out and just by complete luck they were there was no exit to the the, the rest of my fort from where they they came in and the draw bridge that I had didn't work because I just forgot to use the lever. Oh, so I thought no. that I was screwed because I, I saw the screams. I was like, oh, no, the clowns are laughing. They're coming up to have a have a fun time in my fortress. And the drawbridge won't close. I'm like, oh, no, this is the end. But they just, I guess, bugged out and didn't walk to the to the door. So my, my dwarves just walked inside and I closed the door and everything was fine. <laughs> and they just uh, hung out in the caves. So I, I didn't go into the caves anymore, but um, the fort was okay. Cool. Jack, is there anything that you had hoped to talk about whenever we came on that uh, that, that we I haven't? Just, I just really wanted to just talk about Tor Fortress. I know you guys probably play some forts by um, on your own. But you guys have your uh, succession or your bloodline fort as well. You know, how are things going with that? <laughs> so the way it works is, is uh, I started it, and this happened last time too. I start the fortress. I take way too long before I pass it on because one thing leads to another, and I'm, I'm slow. So then I pass it on to Roland, and then he passes it on to Tony. And Tony, last time, the only time that he's had a year where the fortress basically did it in a week and then passed it back to me. So that's right, man. I'm looking at you. Yeah. So I, well, the my my second. My second shot with uh, Lurid Whips, which was our first fortress, my second shot with it went much quicker. And uh, I think that was whenever I built the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable logo on the floor. 
So. Oh, that was class act. Yeah, that was that was a class act. I'll do that yeah, again whenever really I, nice. when we get this one. So yeah, it looked pretty cool. So, uh, but the, the the answer to that is I have had a year with it. I got the fortress on a better start, I think, this year than uh than I did the last time. Uh, we and play these. It's in Roland's hands right now, and we're not sure uh, where he's at with it. I think we're in the one year of game time is one year of real life. So literally play one day each day. So it's a, it's a special documentary project we're doing. So what I'm planning on. Oh, oh, that's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say those, those uh, succession of bloodline forwards do take a long time. I've tried a couple myself and they never really end up going anywhere after the first couple of years. Oh yeah. I'm thinking that might be the case. Yeah, that's fair. I I think it's a, I think it's a lot of coordination because, um, you know, you kind of, it's for me, sometimes Dwarf Fortress, you know, fits and starts like I'll, I'll play for a bunch of time and then it's like a couple weeks, three weeks, whatever. And I haven't touched it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Hey, I think I I got it. I like doing that. I think I got it. it. Yeah. What What we do is we, um, we do a year, we publish it on the, on the, on the website and we tell listeners at the during the uh, uh, during the game uh, during the during the podcast that whoever grabs it plays a year and returns it to us first uh, that will be the next year in the in the fortress and then we examine it look at it and then we post it again and then you know whoever is the first one to grab it play a year and send it back to us they'll be the uh, the person who gets talked about that next year. It's a pretty good idea. Yeah. All right. And that takes all the all the work off of our shoulders. <laughs> when do we get to play? <laughs> yeah, you guys don't get to play then. Come on, man. What are you doing? You're cutting us out of this. No, well, maybe every third year we inject some of our nonsense into it. Well, that will always give us the option to uh, to to grab the fortress and and play a year of ourselves because you know it's it's our fort, so so we can do that. The thing I see. like about the the bloodline concept is it's pretty cool to see the way other people are building their forts and the way that they do things. Cause I definitely feel like I can get in a rut, how I do things where I'm like, right. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to build a wall and I'm going to build this and I'm going to get my pen and I'm going to have my farm going and then I'm going to do this and everything looks the same. And I'm like, Oh, I've just built the exact same fort the last 10 times. Hmm. Interesting. What am I doing? Um, Jack, so have you done a bloodline with anybody? I, I've tried to do a couple of them. I did one briefly on the on one of the unofficial Dwarf Fortress community Dwarf uh, discords, and it lasted. I think I think we got to five years, and there was seven of us, <laughs> so okay. that didn't go too well. Uh, <laughs> and um, aside from that, I, I started one and sent a world off, and it never got back to me. So, yeah, I wonder how those dwarves are doing now. Those poor dwarves lost somewhere in, in the hard drives of the world. It's a shame to see, they'll never get to see the light of day. But that's all right. They wouldn't like it forward. anyway. Yeah. No, probably not. They'd probably die. I'm sure they'd complain. There's a there's a TV show I was watching, um, and it's about people that go and try to live and build forts in extreme conditions. Um, oh, okay. It's called Alone. So I guess it's solo mode, Door Fortress. But these dudes get dropped off on Vancouver Island in Canada and have to not die basically and live as long as they can and there's like a whole episode and they're like oh my god i hate the rain so much i'm miserable and i was like oh yeah it does rain a lot here yeah i guess they uh, aren't allowed in the oh at the end it was raining a lot no i was gonna say at the very 
end of Vancouver Island, the one towards the ocean, I think it's like exceedingly wet there in the rainy season. Oh yeah, like, like the Tofino area is is really brutal sometimes for rain. Yeah. So Jack, thanks for stopping by and chatting with us. And oh, thanks for having me. Uh, we look forward to having more of these chats with uh, with listeners and uh, other folks who who may want, just random people that we bring on the podcast than it people who don't listen. Always, but it is always nice to have fresh voices and fresh perspectives on the show. I think that makes it more of a round table instead of a triangle table. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's nice to talk about Dwarf Fortress. You know, it's a great game. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's great to have you. Thanks, cool man. Cool deal, appreciate man. It. Thanks for coming and hang around the Discord. No problem. Thanks so much for letting us uh, use that uh, that picture from Crook Smash for oh, our no, for, for sure. Show. I mean, yeah. I, I want people oh. to see it. So yeah, great. great. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. Hey gang, this is Sean Rosky calling. I'm a longtime listener, actually. I'm surprised to learn I'm only one of possibly 14, 15 people. I think that number is very low, and I think there are many more listening in. So for for the um, the roguelike mode, it's I, I found it much more interesting to generate these really old worlds because by that point you've had time to get necromancer experiments as basically races in the world um and it's done two things one in in adventure mode i can play as those characters and they don't seem to suffer from the same hunger thirst issues so that kind of takes some of the monotony out of it um and that was fun i saw and um two when you're in a fortress well same kind of things apply i had a fortress the year was like 1800 or whatever and um you know everything was just necromancer creations by that point in time it was basically like nothing else existed really a few elves existed but mostly just just um necromancer experiments and so the whole fort was basically you know broken one dwarf fishermen or whatever and so that that (laughs) i thought that was interesting like the older it gets the less likely there is to be anything other than these undead experiments so um that's cheery (laughs) <laughs> so, so yeah you've been playing uh some some adventure mode and and yeah so, i'm yeah, trying that's... to figure out the you know the keys and how you do stuff and i've managed to do basic things like i made a party of a couple of yahoos in a mount and went in and raided a tomb and got some armor and knocked over all the statues because that's what i like to do Nothing's happened, though. I keep hoping I'll get cursed, but I haven't so far. Found weapon well, traps, set up my own little base, built a couple of buildings and, and that sort of thing, um, and named it, and then it became part of the world. So that's cool. So I wonder if I can settle there, if I can build a fort there. I don't know. I'm, now I'm curious, and I want to play a little bit more with that. But I was playing, and I had trouble finding anybody. There was... Uh, so I'm... My, my character is is walking around i'm looking for someone to interact with and so far i have found no one so my last act was to go by a river that is outside of what i think is a town and uh he's just sitting there telling stories and uh and and shouting out for anyone to hear it's it's basically his performance art is telling stories 
and he's trying to to gather people to him. So. Yeah, that's a good story. I um I used to have problems getting people to join me on things, so I made a guy that was a really good poet, and then he would just go in and start performing and doing that sort of things. And then instead of joining me on adventures, it would join me to be join me to entertain the world. And so basically, I I ended up just having a performance troupe that traveled around and people clapped for and stuff. So that was that was the thing I did. Um, you know, like, oh, okay. Now I've made it into a poetry symbol. Brilliant. Um, maybe I, I should maybe I should do a, a video video on a, on the adventure mode tutorial from the wiki. Yeah, there's a few that are out there. Um, but my personal feeling is sometimes with tutorials, and this is what in my in my bucket list of tutorials that I plan to do in the future, but haven't done yet. Um, I would probably do one where it was just like, I'm going to do this, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to happen. And you hit, you know, G to get water, and I to water skin from the river, and you know, just just instead of trying to go through every single command on the interface and what it does, I would just sort of like play it and figure it out. That's kind of the way that I would I'm going to approach this tutorial that may or may not happen. Well, I um, think that you may that you may have misunderstood me. I'm not actually going to create a tutorial. The video no. is going to be a let's play of me following their tutorial. <laughs> I love it. That yeah is awesome. I think you should so, totally do that. And then yeah. every you could keep doing it too. You could generate a new world and a new adventure, and it's going to be a totally different thing. That's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I've actually looked at the wiki tutorial. I thought it was more just like push I for this, push C for this, push D for this. I didn't know if it was like a, here's what you should do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for that. I mean, it's so my takeaways are it's it seems like it has a ton of promise. I am really struggling to find stuff to do properly because yeah. I would go out and it'd be like, oh, the goblin over here, so and so wants their treasure back. So I found one goblin and I found and killed the goblin. And then I tried to loot all the stuff, and then I went back to the village, and nobody cared. And I was like, okay, well, you told me about this guy, and I went out and dealt with it, and I'm back, and I told you I did, and now you guys are being jerks. You know? <laughs> it's like, I just, I just hooked you up, and what do you got? So I don't know how much <laughs> continuity of story there is yet. Like, I don't think it... I think that maybe at some point it will be, and, and I hope if somebody's there, like that's not the way it works. It does work. Then I would love to hear it. But right now I don't think it's got that same quest continuity of story that something like world of Warcraft has where you go do a quest and then you come back and you talk to them and something happens. I think it's just like, here's the thing you could do if you wanted, we don't care if you do or don't, but you could, um, I feel maybe like that's more what it is, but I don't, I don't really know. We've also had a few a few of our uh, listeners ask us to do a little bit more adventure mode. Um, uh, uh, in particular, there's a, a listener named. <laughs> wow, you know, sometimes I wonder if this is a last name or if it's a handle, but I think it's Nuayman N U A Y M A N. Uh, left a comment on the website dfroundtable.com is the website. You can go there to interact with us. But in oh, any case, uh, I will. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so he uh, he wrote in. Um, Hey, haven't really been listening to every episode, but from reading the description of them, it looks like you guys don't talk about adventure mode. It would be awesome if you guys played and talked about it more. So, well, yeah. as it turns out, friend, we're that that is we are all on I'm on that, that is, path. 
the direction of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Series 2.2. I'm, no. I'm all about the hybrid. So I want to build a cool fort and then go explore it or go explore things and figure out who these creatures are and then yeah. interact more with them so i feel like Make it, it come full circle yeah like, i feel like, like there's an intention plan. yeah like there's an intention that you could build something and then go first person it and then about a first person and then come back and so the last updates changes to adventure mode are pretty neat um and i've been having some fun with that so right now it's like uh well i thought i i've <laughs> another of my failed experiments in adventure mode where there was a necromancer tower and I was like, I'm going to take this down. And so I went up and then I've never died so fast in adventure mode. Like the outs, just all of a sudden this wave of undead just swept down and that was, uh, we weren't even able to run away and we were, we were killed. So, uh, there, there's clearly stuff to do. Um, and, uh, you have to be very careful because it's dangerous. You're also able to do things that you don't realize you're doing if you're not careful. I don't know how many ducks my guy has killed. <laughs> Why? <What's wrong laughs> and I didn't ducks? even realize that. The, yeah, several times I would I would look at the uh, at the log of of what I've been doing, and it would say like, you know, you killed a duck. <laughs> uh, a duck attacked you. You killed a duck. And I'm like, I don't see these ducks. Where are these ducks at? No, some of the combat gore is, is insane. Like, um, you know, some of the stuff that happened, you hit and the ear goes flying off in an arc. Oh, brutal. Um, I act- actually really enjoy when Krug Smash does his things and he talks about her left teeth is smashed. And, her, you know, like he'll read it literally and it, it just cracks me up that he doesn't, you know. I, I, I find that to be absolutely hilarious. I, and I'm sure it's intentionally done and intentionally done to be funny and uh and i enjoy it every time yeah i'm gonna be doing more adventure mode i've i've just uh spun up a hot new world that's 1050 years old and i've got my playable characters are black barb's hand or bridge city soldier or cooler's hand so those are exciting options to have Um, yeah i think i'm gonna put my other uh my other project on the back burner and move toward a uh, adventure mode tutorial playthrough for a let's play. I might try to see if I can get a get a video uh, up maybe every couple weeks. I'm not going to make it a, a regular thing. Got so many things going on right now uh, that that don't want to add too much to my plate. Always so. good to keep your projects in scope. That yep. uh, awesome. Like like to thank Jack for stopping by and, and chatting with us today. And uh, if you would like to be on the podcast and do that sort of thing as well, uh, stop by dfroundtable.com and uh, drop us a note in, uh, in the comments of one of the shows. Or you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's probably the, the best way to get a hold of us is urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. And uh, I sound like a cool, sound like a 1980s TV commercial. Law 46 weeks for delivery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um so great. Uh looks like uh for speaking for Roland, I'm Jonathan and we hope you have a very wonderful day and we'll catch you all next time. See you later. 
Bye. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes.